Well, what's up, Christ United? Y'all doing all right today? Yeah. yeah, awesome. Look, I don't know how many of you guys are like me and who just, you just really like a good story. All right, but I, I like a good story. And, and if, you're, if you like a good story, this is going to be a good one today. All right, if you're like me and you like those stories where some people do some really dumb things, <laughs> this is a doozy, all right? And, and even better yet, if you're like me and you like one of those stories where there's like one of those left hooks at the end that you didn't see coming and you're not even sure you like it, you know, it's like, one, it's like the ending of one of those M. Night Shyamalan movies, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Man, you pick the perfect Sunday to be here if you like a story like that, because that is today. If you haven't been with us or it's your first time here, we are doing something we have never done here at Christ United before, and we are reading through the entire Bible as a church this year. And you can go to our website, crisislove.org, or you can get our Christ United app, and you can click on the daily devotion. You can see and follow along exactly where we are. And about... Uh, Eight or nine days ago, we started in Exodus, and we're still in Matthew. We're reading an Old and New Testament passage every single day. So we want you guys to jump in. And today, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 32. So go ahead and get your Bibles out. And I'm going to say that because... We want you guys to bring your Bibles. If you do not have one over here, you can go over there at this booth and you can get one for free because it is so important for you to have God's Word. If you're one of those people who are like, well, I don't bring it because I feel like I won't know where to turn, we're going to tell you where to turn, so you don't need to be afraid of that at all, okay? So we want you to bring your Bibles. We'll tell you things to highlight and underline, and then whenever you go back and you read it for yourself, you're like, oh, and you can start piecing together what God is speaking to you. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus is in the Old Testament. It is the second book of the Bible. So there's Genesis, Exodus. If you see any other book, too far. Back it up to the left, okay? Genesis, Exodus, chapter 32. Now, for some of you, if you grew up in church, you've heard this story before, most likely. And maybe by the time we are done today, you have a little bit of a better understanding of this story. And if you are here and it's your first time here, you have no, no idea about what the Bible is, you've never read anything, we got to catch you up because chapter 32 starts in the middle of the story, all right? Now, some of you, you know the story. We go back to the beginning of Exodus, and the nation of Israel is slaves to the country of Egypt, Right? And they're, they're slaves under Pharaoh, and they have been a slave country, a slave nation, for over 400 years. You may have heard of Moses, the talking bush. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. no. All right, some of you read. Cool. All right, so he says no. And then God unleashes 10 plagues on Egypt. And after the 10th one, Pharaoh has had enough, and he says, get out of here. So the nation of Israel for over 400 years, they finally have freedom. And this is between 1 million and 2 million people get up, pack up, and they start leaving Egypt. They start going. Pharaoh changes his mind and says, go get them and bring them back. They get to the Red Sea. You may have heard of this. They get to the Red Sea. Moses holds out a staff, and the Red Sea splits. The nation of Israel walks through on dry ground. The e Egyptian army tries to catch up with them. The sea comes in, wipes out the Egyptian army. So it's like, woohoo! the nation of Israel is free, but they are where? Anybody know? The wilderness. If I want to be free, I want to be free in Maui, right? Um, but, but no, they, they are. They're, they're free, but they're in the wilderness, okay? So they're out there in the wilderness, but it's so amazing how God moves while they're in the wilderness. He provides food for them. Every single day there's food. He provides water out of rocks. That's pretty weird, but, you know, it's there. So they have everything that they absolutely need as they are going through the wilderness, 
And then whenever you get to chapter 13, chapter 13 is cool because he says to the nation of Israel, he's like, look, I am going to go before you. I'm going to go before you as a cloud during the day so you can follow me. And I will go before you at night as a fire so you can also follow me at nighttime. So he says, I'm going to go before you. And then we're going to get to chapter 19. And 19 is actually what we're um, going to be reading today as part of our um, plan 19 and 20. You get to chapter 19, and there is something that is so powerful that's going to have a huge impact with what we talk about today. So if you want to flip to 19 for like a quick verse, you can do that, but this is so powerful. So in chapter 19, God gives us one of these incredible if-then statements, right? I don't know if you've ever heard these things before. If, then something happens, and this is so powerful. He says this. Now, what's that word? Circle, highlight, underline that. That is huge. I know it's a small word, but it is so important. If you, me, how much? And keep my covenant. Man, you guys are catching on. Awesome. You're good, man. Ray doesn't slow you down. Then you will be my treasured possession. Now, this is huge. He says, if you guys obey me fully, complete, if you are all in with me, then you will be my treasured possession. So just keep that in mind as we go through today, all right? So we get to chapter 20, and chapter 20 is one you guys may know. This is where God speaks the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel because they've been slaves for 400 years. So the only thing they need to know is, yes, sir. That, that's it. You know, when you're slave, that's all you need to know. So they have no idea how to live. So God says, look, this is how you're going to live in a relationship with me and in relationships with other people. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. Then in chapter 24, after they hear this covenant and they just heard God say, if you obey me fully, then you'll be my treasured possession. This is how the nation of Israel responds. All right, this is really cool. Chapter 24, they responded, we will do. The Lord has said, we will. Oh man, wouldn't you? If God just did all of that stuff, you've been slaves for 400 years, now you're free. He provided food, water out of rocks. And it's really cool, as you read, he shows up in chapter 19 with like earthquakes and thunder and lightning. And he's like, this is just part of my power. And it's just like, oh, you know. So here they are in chapter 24. They are at the base of Mount Sinai, all right? And they just say, God, we will do everything and we will obey. And then God says, Moses, I need you to come up here to the top of the mountain. All right. And that's where we pick it up in chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was, how, what's, what's that say? Circle, highlight, underline that. We're going to come back to that. This is important. When they saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings, brought them to Aaron. I hit the button. Yeah, he took what they had handed him. He made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Say what? All right, now, 
In the first verse, I said, hey, make sure you highlight or circle or underline so long. All right, let's get some context. How long is so long, right? All right, how long is so long? Now, to do that in your Bible, just write down Exodus 24, 17, and 18, and that's how we find out how far, how long so long has been. So remember, they're at the base of Mount Sinai, and there is this huge cloud over the mountain, and this is how the nation of Israel saw the top of the mountain. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. That's a cool picture, right? Consuming fire mountain up there. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain for how long? Now, now so long has a different bit of a context, right? All right it's been 40 days, but let me ask you this. Someone who's leading you, how long are you going to give them in a consuming fire? You know, like, so like, I love, Pastor Jeff has been a mentor of mine. I've known him for over 16 years. I love this man. And I, the dude's like 53 years old. I hope I'm in that kind of shape when I'm 53, right? In a consuming fire, Jeff, I love you. I'm giving him about 30 seconds, right? I mean, all right. He's in really good shape. All right, I'll give him a minute, right? I'll, I'll give him a minute in a consuming fire. So here is Moses, goes up to the top of this mountain into a consuming fire, and they have now waited for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and you know, as soon as he goes in there, they're all like, oh, he just went in that consuming fire, man, right? Some of them, I bet, didn't go to sleep that night. Other guys wake up, they'd be like, man, when did Mo come down? They'd be like, he, he didn't come down. He, he's still up there. Shut up. He's still up there? And, you know, one week, two week, three, a month goes by, you know, we get to 40 days go by, and you know there's always one in every crowd, right? There's one after about two weeks, and they're just like, um, <laughs> I don't think he's coming back, guys. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think he's coming back. So he's been up there for 40 days, 40 nights, and it appears to them as if God had stopped moving, all this, he was going before him with a cloud and a fire, everything, they were moving forward, stuff was happening. Now for 40 days and 40 nights, it seems like God has stopped moving. Now let me ask you something. How long do we give God when we pray for him to move in our life and it seems as if he's not moving? How long do we give him before we go back to our old ways? How long do we give him? They gave him 40 days and 40 nights, and he just, 40 days ago, verbally spoke the Ten Commandments, and the first one is, look, don't have any other gods before me, and the second one is, don't make any other graven images, and don't worship them, and that's exactly what they, they go back to exactly what they knew from Egypt, and they take off all their gold, and they make a calf, a golden image of a calf, and that is a really dumb decision, okay? Really dumb decision. It gets worse. These people make an even dumber decision as we continue. When Aaron saw this, the, the, the calf, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early. They sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Revelry. That's like, it that sounds like a really cool word, right? And then you look it up. You ever have words like that? So revelry means to caress sexually and not within the confines of marriage the way God intended. So basically as part of this worship service, they decide to have a drunken orgy. 
dumb decision, okay? Just gonna, you know, th throw that out there. So, but, but here's the thing. If you would have gone and asked them, hey, are you guys worshiping God? Are you worshiping the Lord? They'd be like, yeah. Now we're also worshiping baby cow over here, right? You know, but we're, just, we're putting everything together, big party time, you know, that, that's, but, we're, but we're, we're, we're worshiping God because I know you guys may be like, well, hold on, hold on. They said they want gods to go before them. But as we read in the story in Exodus, you know what? That's what God said. He was like, I'm your God and I'm going to go before you. So they're using all the right terminology here. Hey, we just want gods to go before us. And then you're like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. But they had burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Well, whenever we read in chapter 24, that's exactly what Moses did. So they're just following everything Moses did. Yeah, we're just doing everything that Mo did, you know? And then you're like, no, hold on, Steve, hold on. But they sat down to have a meal. All right, come on, that, that, come on. Now, you read in chapter 24, Moses did that. He sat down at the base of Mount Sinai and they shared a meal. So they're just doing everything that they've already seen Moses do. And I know you're like, well, Steve, come on. They had a drunken orgy. All right, that's pretty messed up. All right, that, there's, there's, there's no, nowhere in that. So, so these people, they would probably say, yeah, we are all in. Remember, they had just said, God, we will do everything. We will obey. We are all in, mostly. God, we're, we're all in, mostly. All right, we're, we're going we're gonna to do, we're going to say some of the right things. We're going to, you know, set up our worship service, you know, with most of the right things, just like we saw Moses do. But when it comes to, you know, th this idol thing, we're going to go back and do this how we want, okay? That, that, that's, that's what we're going to do because it looks like you stop moving. Well, just newsflash, just because God doesn't seem like he's moving doesn't mean he's not moving, all right? It seems like God isn't moving, and they go back to exactly the idol worship that they knew in Egypt. And in these just few verses, we come up with a couple of really two huge points that I think can help us as we dig in a little bit. Is that God's delays tend to either detour us or deepen us. God's delays tend to either detour us or deepen us. And what I mean by that is whenever we hit a bump in the road, you know, we start coming to church, we start giving, we start serving, we start, you know, giving our lives over to Jesus, and we hit one of those bumps that we just weren't expecting, man, at those times, you are either going to be detoured or deepened. And the choice is yours, the choice is mine. They hit a bump it seemed as if God wasn't moving and they just go and get detoured right back to how they used to live. Some, when we hit these bumps, we can understand, all right, you know what? I wouldn't have picked this for me to go through, but I believe there's a reason for God that he wants to grow me and he wants me, my faith to build stronger with him and it's to deepen me. Because I can... I can tell you from experience, there are parts of my story I would have never chosen to go through if I had the choice. My bet is a lot of you are the same. But being able to have walked through some of the stuff I've been able to walk through and being able to talk to people who are going through some of the same things, I would have never asked for it but man, am I glad I'm through it on the other side. And I'm glad that God has put positions and people around me to help grow me and to help other people. It's just, man, I would have never picked it, but man, did I grow deeper because of it. So when we hit these delays, it seems like God's not moving. It can either detour us or deepen us. The other thing that we see here as we dig in is that worshiping God the way we want can lead to idolatry. 
All right, and we see that here. They, they, they want to worship God. They have a festival to the Lord. They're saying all the right things. We want the gods to go before us. They're doing all the offerings right, the sacrifice stuff. You know, they're, they're doing, they're having the meal. They're doing most of that. They are all in mostly. And then there's some stuff that they still want to incorporate that they're going to bring in along the ride. And they think it's okay. Now, come on. I'm not sure if there is a passage of Scripture that fits the church in America better today. Right? Because how many of yo, I'm all in, mostly. Right? God, I am, God, I've seen you do some stuff in my life. You know what? I am all in for you, except with how I handle my finances. That, no. You know, God, I, I am all in. God, I'm going to obey you completely except for, you know, how I deal with my sexuality. That's going to be on the side, all right? Yes, everything else, yes, I'm all in. Yeah, but not, not here. God, I'm all in. You know, that, that whole, I, I love you. I'm going to be all in with everything. But when it comes to this whole forgiveness piece, nah, I'm not, because you don't understand how they hurt me. So I'm all in for everything else, mostly, but not that, you know what, God, I'll tell you what, about this whole forgiveness thing, you know what, I'll forgive people, especially strangers, but I'm not going to forgive my spouse. You know what, I'm not going to forgive my parents, my kids, my boss, all right, everybody else, I'll for, but I'm, no, no, when it comes to forgiveness, I'm, I'm, I can't do, I'm not going to do that, all right, so, so I'm telling you, we set up how we want to worship, and it leads us to really bad places. If, if you are more concerned about your sports team than your spiritual walk, you're in danger. If you're more concerned about, you know, your kids' travel ball than your spiritual walk, you're in trouble. All right? Because we are setting up where we're all in, mostly. And here's how God responds when the nation of Israel is all in, mostly. The Lord said to Moses, go down because whose people? He's talking to Moses. Whom, who? Brought up out of Egypt have been corrupt. Now, time out. I thought they were his people. If what? If they are all in, if you obey, you will be my people. He's saying, Moses, these aren't my people. They, they, aren't my, they have broken the covenant that we had made. That the, they are not my people. He's like, these are your people. The, these are not my people, and they are corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and had made themselves idle, cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. That's like my sarcastic God voice. You know, he's, you know, he's like, this is, this is all you guys. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Uh-oh. Moses just got a raise. He just got a promotion. Because if you read in Genesis, the nation of Israel says, yeah, you know, you know, he's the gods of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's like, yep, that's about to be gone. Moses, you're the new start. It's like, uh-oh, that, that's not going to go over well. Now, listen to how Moses replies to God, all right? All the time, I believe God gives us opportunities to intercede for people. And that just means to do something on their behalf, all right? And look how Moses 
responds to God. But Moses sought favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people? These are my people, God. These are your people whom brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. And now this is going to be a little confusing for a second. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, whom you swore your own self. I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever." The Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Hold on, hold on. It seemed as if God and Moses were just in a tug of war and Moses won. As if he just changed God's mind. And look, we can only think of God in human, you know, with human brains because it's all we've got, at least most of us. All right. And so that's all we can think about. Look, God doesn't have a brain. All right. So he didn't change God's mind. God gave Moses an opportunity to intercede on the behalf of people. And Moses took it. And in fact, he didn't just do it for the nation of Israel. He threw in that line, what are the Egyptians going to say if you wipe everybody out? God, look, I get it. You created them, you can cremate them. I got it. You can do it. All right. But what would the Egyptians say? And some of you might be like, Why do we care about the Egyptians? Well, it has a lot to do with the Egyptians. As you read through Exodus, it's like eight times. Exodus 7, 5, 8, 18, 9, 20, 10, 7, 11, 3, 12, 32, 12, 38. God says, I'm doing this so the people of Egypt know that I am God. So in other words, some of the stuff they're going through, some of the stuff you're going through, it ain't about you. It's not about me. It's so that other people can know that he is God. And he wants you to walk through something you wouldn't normally go, you wouldn't choose for yourself. Because he knows the power it'll have for other people in knowing his love for them. Because Moses is like, look, what are the Egyptians going to say here? They're just going to say, wow, you freed him, you did all that weird stuff, you know, all the plagues just to kill him. See, he knows the heart and the character of God, and God relented and did not bring the disaster that he had said. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't punishment. The story gets good, depending on how you view it. Moses turned and went down from the mountain with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscripted on both si- inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. Because, I mean, it's just like, woo, they're hearing all kinds of stuff. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory, not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Now, this is not just, oh, he just dropped them, or he was just angry. This is symbolic to the nation of Israel had just broken the covenant that they had just made with God. So that's a huge significant point there. He took the calf people had made, burned it in the fire. He ground it into powder, and then this is so cool. Scattered it on the water and made him drink it. Ugh, don't know how that tasted. 
He said to Aaron, Why did these, what did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? All right? Then Aaron, do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone to evil these people are? They said to me, make us God who will go before us. As far as this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has the gold jewelry, bring it, take it off. They gave me the gold. I threw it in the fire and out jumped a baby cow. <laughs> now, I don't know how many of you are parents with multiple kids. I am. But some of you have one kid who's a better liar than others right? I'm not going to tell you which one of mine, okay? But my oldest is really bad at lying, <laughs> right? I, I can just give her the dad eyes and, dad, I did it. I mean, she, she almost doesn't even try anymore, all right? Younger one, she's pretty good, you know? She, she can work you a bit. I mean, Aaron, really? This is the best you got? Remember, if you read the beginning of the story, he fashioned the calf out of a tool, all right? Aaron was part of this whole thing. Aaron's like, I don't know. They came to me. They said, you weren't coming down. You were consuming fire. I'm just going to take the jewelry, throw it, and boom, out comes a cow. <laughs> Aaron, that's the best you got. That's your story. It is now. Yep. It's like, what are you doing? Seriously? Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. Remember, them doing this, they are not a part of God. They are not God's people. And now they are a laughingstock to all their enemies. And it angers God and it angers Moses because they, are just, they have gone way off. The, they were all in mostly and it leads to really dangerous places. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and he said, whoever is for the Lord, come with me. And all these Levites rallied to him. Now, we're about to get in. This is where there's a bit of a shift in the story where we start to uncover what it means to be all in. All right? So he goes to the camp and says, whoever's for the Lord and not with all this mess that's going on in camp, if you are for the Lord, come here. And all these Levites are like, we're for the Lord. All right? So here's step one. We want to be all in. It starts with a firm decision. It starts with a firm decision. We cannot say, I'm a Christian and take it lightly. We can't say, I'm a Christian because when I look at all the other religions out there, eh, this one just seems to be the one I'll go with most. This is one they don't care if I show up on time. You know what? Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm a Christian, but you know what? It's okay because I, I, you know, I can still do things my way, right? It's like Burger King, right? I can still have it the way I want, but, you know, still go, and I can still be all in. Look, it is a firm decision to say, I'm a follower of Christ. We're a Christian, a Christ E-N, meaning we follow Christ, it is a firm decision. And we come up with a couple things when we think about it that way. Is that true Christianity doesn't just happen, it's intentional. True Christianity is something you do every day intentionally. Because, come on, seriously, all of us, we know which way we'd rather go when it comes to stuff that we deal with. You know, we'd rather go this way than, you know, the way God wants us to. We, we know how we are. We know what we would rather decide to do with our lives we don't like to live within restrictions and guidelines. So, we, you know, so it is a daily intentional thing to be a Christ follower. So it doesn't just happen. It's something that is very intentional. The other thing we see is how to be all in. 
A pursuit of happiness rather than a pursuit of holiness puts us in a dangerous position. All right, now let me describe it. And look, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to ever be happy, all right? That's not what, that's not what I'm saying, all right? But if what you pursue is all happiness, meaning if I'm going to pursue God, I want to be happy because, look, there are some Christians out there giving some really, really bad advice. There are Christians that say, you know, I, you know, I just think God wants you to be happy. Now, they don't have a verse to go along with that because there isn't one, all right? But, but they'll just say, look, I just think God wants you to be happy. No, God wants us holy, and being holy in him, there's tons of happiness in that. But if all we do is pursue happiness, it leads us in a really bad place. Now, now let, let me describe it this way. If you decide, that, hey, firm decision, I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I'm just going to let you know there's going to be bumps in the road. And if you are only pursuing God with the intention of being happy, as soon as you hit a bump, you're going to go detour. Because your pursuit wasn't holiness, your pursuit was happiness. And as soon as something happened that didn't make you very happy, you detoured out of there. If we have a pursuit of holiness, when we hit those bumps, one, we're expecting them, and it doesn't wreck us. It doesn't destroy, it doesn't send us off a different path. It doesn't detour us. We hit those bumps, and we're like, you know what? I wasn't pursuing happy. I wouldn't have chosen this for me, but there must be a better purpose that God has in my life, and I'm going to take this opportunity to go deeper for him and not get detoured. There is a huge difference between pursuing God wants to make me happy and God wants to make me holy. And if all we do is pursue happiness, it puts us in a really dangerous situation. I don't know if you know much about the nation of Israel. What are they pursuing? The promised land. Milk and honey. As soon as there's a roadblock, eh, going back to our old ways. They were pursuing happiness, not holiness. So when we want to be a Christian, it is a firm decision. The second thing is it is always going to require action. Saying we are a follower of Christ is going to require action, okay? So these Levites come out and say, yes, we're for the Lord. And now it gets dicey. Because Moses said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each man strap a sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp, one end to the other, killing each each killing his brother, friend, and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 people died. Now you see, this is part of that story that we don't like. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. how could God do that to his people? They weren't his people. They, they weren't obeying him. They were not following him. And see, th this can sting a little bit. But here, here's, as I was praying this week of, all right, how do we, how do we hit this? Because I was, I, I was going to skip it, but I was like, I can't skip it. All right, because how do we deal with this? And the, the best way I thought of, it's almost as if God saw this group as a cancer. Because I, I think well, if we think of it as cancer, I think that's something most of us can kind of relate to. Because my bet is just about everybody in here, you've been in, affected in some way, shape, or form by cancer. Either someone in your family, someone you love, someone you knew, a best friend, someone has had to go through cancer. And we have no problems at all going and get radiology or radiation. 
you know, to kind of get rid of something that's in there. We have no problem if we have cancer to have some of that stuff cut out so the rest of the body cannot be harmed by it, right? We have no problems with that. God's like, there's a cancer in the camp. Enemies think we're a laughing stock. They're making a mockery of God. And if this isn't cut out, if it isn't dealt with, it's going to destroy everything. When you think about it, it's the most loving thing he could possibly ever done. Get rid of it before it gets any worse. So I'm a Christian is a firm decision and it's always going to take action. Now it doesn't mean we need to go around killing people, okay? But what it does mean is that maybe there's an area or two of our lives where we're all in mostly and we need to cut it out. There's some stuff, and we know it. You know, God, you know what? I, I'm all in mostly, but you know what? I'm still living with my boy. We're, we're almost engaged, and I know he loves me. So the fact that we have sex before we're married, it's okay because we love each other. There's going to be some surgery that needs to be done that's going to be difficult. It's going to hurt. But if you want to be all in, it means fully, not mostly. You know what? God, you know what? I'm going to turn everything over to you except with how I do my taxes and my finances. No, no, no. Fully completely. You know what? I want to love the way you love, but these people, you don't understand what they did to me. I just, I don't like these people. Uh Uh-uh. Fully. Because here's something. God has one love language, and it's obedience. All right? And partial obedience is still disobedience. All right? So if we're all in mostly, we're not all in. And it leads us to this. In order to be all in, we've got to cut all that stuff out if we want to be all in. Then Moses said, you have been set apart. Circle, highlight, underline that in your Bible. You guys, you Levites, you have been set apart to the Lord today for you were against your own sons and brothers and he has blessed you this day. You see, you want to be all in, it will always lead to separation. We were, not, we were not created and have lives that are followers of Christ and we blend in with the world. We are set apart from that. We are to be a light in the darkness. And we can't do that if we aren't set apart. It will always lead to separation. Now, I know this is heavy and I know this can be really, really rough. And there might be some of you in here today and you're saying, Well, if God just wants me to be perfect, see ya. I mean, it seems like when we read through this up until this point, God just wants perfection out of all of us. And maybe the most important thing you can hear today is this, is that God isn't looking for 100% perfection. He's looking for 100% direction of your life. Because when we read in the New Testament, it says none of us are good. So when it says none of us, that includes you and me, okay? So we're all in the, you know, you know, even playing field here. It says none of us are good. And in fact, just as if Moses interceded for the nation of Israel, God also sent his son Jesus to this earth to intercede on your behalf and my behalf. Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life when he was here and he went to a cross and didn't just cut off his right hand, didn't just take off a foot. 
He gave all of him because he's all in on you and he's all in on me. And whenever he says, follow me, I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit and it is going to perfect you along the way. It doesn't mean we're not going to mess up, but it means we mess up, we ask for forgiveness, and we keep moving in the direction that leads us closer to Jesus. So it's not about perfection. It's about the direction of our lives. Now, come on, let's be honest. Some of the things that we're all in mostly, that mostly part, we know, right? We, we, we know what it is for us. We don't need a sermon on that. So let me ask you, what is it? What are those things that we want to say, God, I'm all in, and in an honest moment, mostly. I'm all in except for, what is it for you? The beauty is we can cut it all out right now. You may have come in with it. You don't have to leave with it. You know, you can walk out in the direction you want to be going right now. And the praise team is going to come up and they're going to lead us in a song. And this is the most important time. This is your chance to respond to your heavenly father who said, I love you so much, I'm going to sacrifice my son. So that way you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live with all that stuff you've done. You can have forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and then you can show that to the world. And that is the hope of the world. His plan to reaching the world is you. It's me. But it only happens with a firm decision. When we take action and we separate from what the world says we should be doing and we follow Jesus the way he's commanded us. So this time is for you. We're gonna have people here that you can pray with over at each side of the crosses and down here by the steps. This is, and I just, I wanna encourage you, don't leave. If you gotta work, I get that, all right? But don't leave just because you want to you wanna have it your way and get to lunch first. You want to beat 501 traffic. You want to have it your way? You know what? It's one of the scariest things I know about God. He will give you exactly what you want with enough time. And if you want to worship him the way you want to, you can. It doesn't mean you're his, but you can have it. But his desire for you and his desire for me is for us to be all in for him and cutting all that stuff out because Jesus was all in for you and all in for me. So during this time, allow God to stir in you whatever it is he wants to stir in you and allow him to cut out what needs to be cut out so we can walk out of here in the direction we want to be going, being all in. Son of man, stories of Savior, holy.
mess with human hands A treasure for the traitors No ear it heard, no eye had seen The image of the Father Until heaven came to live You like no other. Come on, you are.
tell you, one, one of the things that we love most is seeing God do what only God can do. It's seeing someone accept Jesus for the first time and realize, man, my life is going to be different now. Through the power of his Holy Spirit coming and living in me, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to be going the right direction. And there might be somebody in here today and you decided today, maybe you thought that God was only looking for perfection and it's why you ran forever. And maybe for the first time in a long time or the first time ever, you just happened to show up in church today. And maybe it was for you to realize he's not looking for me to get perfect. So many people think I got to get me right, then maybe I'll start going to church. It's never going to happen because he's not looking for perfection out of you and out of me. He's looking for the direction of our lives. And if today you made the decision that I'm not, I'm not going to be perfect anymore, I'm not, I'm not going to strive for that, I'm not going to look for that, for the first time ever, I'm just going to be devoted to following Jesus. And it doesn't mean I don't mess up, but it means I ask forgiveness and I get back up and I keep following the direction of Jesus. Because there could be some people in my life that need to see what God can do, and he wants to use me to do it. And if you made that decision today, we just want to know, and we want to celebrate it and hoot and holler. So if it was you today, and we just want you to put up a quick hand. Anybody over here, today is your day. You have made that decision that you have a new direction of your life. Anybody over here in this lower section? Anybody up top there? Anybody over here in this top section there? Well, oh, I can't see where. What's? Oh, right there! Woo! Woo! Anybody else up there in that top middle section? Anybody else? Today's your day. Anybody down here in the middle? New direction of your life starts today. Anybody up there in that top section? Anybody? All right, what about over here in this far section? Anybody over there? Just put up a hand. All right, anybody down here? All right, can we give God a hand for our brand new sister? Woo! And anybody else want to do it because you're just a little freaked out? You weren't sure what we were going to do. Anybody? Okay, all right. Look, even if you made that decision today and you did not want to put your hand up, the most important thing you can do is go over here to this prayer booth. They want to pray for you. They want to give you a Bible, and they want to give you some stuff to help you on the new direction of your life, okay? So we want to make sure um, if uh, you made that decision that you go over there for that. We are so, so thankful and um, just happy that you guys were with us today. Um, we are going to be continuing our All In series next week. Um, Jeff will be preaching next week. Y'all probably happy for that. That's all right. Um, but we are so, so thrilled you were here today. We just want to bless you guys as you walk out. And if you want to join in this benediction, just put your hands up. Heavenly Father, God, please forgive us for being all in mostly. God, we pray that you would give us the courage to cut out what needs to be cut out so we can truly and fully be all in for you. God, we pray for the courage to know what to do with what we've heard today. And God, give us the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week.